Folks, Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. I mean, we got basketball, we got hockey, we got the NHL, we got MLB coming up soon. Brucey Bear knows it, we all know it. Let's go. With up to the minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. Enjoy the show. Quiggs, I was walking through the streets of South Philly the other day, as I often do, and there was uh, somebody blasting music, which is not uncommon for the city. People will blast music uh, quite often out of their cars and such. And it was very, very loud. I assumed it was coming from a car. And it turned out it was coming from somebody's backpack, which was ridiculous because, I mean, the speaker that he was using must have been crazy loud. Those things are annoying. Those like speaker backpack things. Yeah. Yeah. So when somebody does that, they usually have like, I don't know, some very aggressive kind of music on, right? Like usually very hardcore rap or metal or something like that. This guy was playing Coldplay out of his backpack. So, okay. I'm going to be honest. I'm actually like low key kind of a Coldplay. It's 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 hilarious we're talking about this. This isn't anything against Coldplay per se. They're not my favorite right, band, right. frankly. But for somebody just walking around the city blasting music. It's a weird choice. I think Coldplay has to be the weirdest choice. Like I've I've kind of, I've tried to consider this. And there are other bands where it could be like ironically like interesting, like very low-key things. Like you play classical, you play like a horse with no name, <laughs> or you know, something folksy, right? Like it, you, there's a lot of things you could play. That you could make excuses for being atmospheric, right? But Coldplay's speed of sound <laughs> is not something that's atmospheric. It is just like, this is a song that this gentleman is playing very loudly for all of South Philadelphia to hear. And I don't really understand why. So it's funny we're talking about this because when I was driving up to Philadelphia this past weekend, I, on my four hour drive was blasting Coldplay like for a couple hours. So it's really funny. Was it you? It, it must have been me. It, it couldn't have been anyone else. No, it's actually funny because I was blasting that album, X and Y, that Speed of Sound is on. There you go. So it's really weird that we're having this conversation. Um, I'm a bit of a Coldplay apologist. I enjoy Coldplay. I mean, hey, now, like what you like. Let me, let me say this. After like their fourth album, shit got weird and they started to suck. Like, their first four albums were all... Re- like, that was a very, very, very solid, like, four-album run that they had. Um, so, yeah, Coldplay now sucks, if you ask me. But back in the day, back until, like, 2008, they were the bomb. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, Coldplay, 
I, I appreciate them, but that is not what you listen to when you're when you're cruising around the city. Like when you're cruising around the city, you're right. You should be listening to like, like I, I don't know. When I'm when I'm driving around the city, I feel like I'm playing like some pop punk and like some uh, probably some rap. Listen to some rap, and then I, I don't know. Rap very appropriate. Metal, metal, I, lots listen, of metal. If there's ever if there's ever a situation to listen to. To Limp Biscuit, yeah, walking around the city of Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay, you're in specifically. You, you want to hear break stuff? Yeah, like I can imagine hearing break stuff in that situation. I can imagine hearing ball with the ball, da bang, da bang, <laughs> yeah. kid rock of all fucking things. Like there are a lot of things I can imagine hearing out of a guy's backpack being played aggressively loud. Like you could hear. I heard him coming like two blocks away and assumed it was a car. I couldn't believe that he was just like, and I, I thought it was going to be like a really dull middle-aged man who just really needed to share his love of Coldplay with everybody. But it was like, I don't know, probably a guy slightly younger than me, like a guy in his thirties, maybe someone who should have known better. He, but he, here's the thing. He was walking like very confidently, just didn't bat an eye, just strutting his stuff. And, did not give a shit, but also needed the world to know that this motherfucker loves Coldplay. Coldplay is what you listen to in the comfort and privacy of your own vehicle or just like your own apartment at a low, lowish uh, volume, like not too loud. You don't want, like you don't want anyone. You never want anyone knowing that you're listening to Coldplay. And that's <laughs> that's not to say that that Coldplay is bad like well like yes they are bad now but like but like they're very mellow yeah yeah, yeah. like like it's a mellow band like i think the highest energy songs freaking viva la vida yeah honestly and so like you know it, it just feels like if you're gonna listen to coldplay that's something you kind of keep to yourself you don't have to be weird about it like because they're they were a good band so like if you listen to their older shit then it's fine but like like you don't want to announce to people that you're listening to coldplay because it's it's a little embarrassing, <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know why it's embarrassing, but it is. The Coldplay clan is out here shaking their damn heads at us right now. You know, they, they don't find it embarrassing at all. They're out here letting everybody know that this is their band. This is number one. I like Coldplay. Here. Like here's a, my favorite band. And that's fine. My favorite. That's fine. My, so Coldplay was my favorite band in high school, believe it or not. And like I was an aggressive oh, wow. Coldplay fan. And like, <laughs> I don't think it could be an aggressive Coldplay. Oh, fan. dude, we were, uh, they're out there. There was, there was this, it, it, but aggressive does not go with this band. Like you can uh, be, uh, I would say devoted, but I would not say aggressive. There was this one kid who was a legit, I, I knew him in high school. He was a legit aggressive Coldplay fan. Like he was wow. such a big fan. He went to go to their concerts like by himself a lot. And like at that time, their shows were like expensive. I feel like they probably, oh, that still. was a hot ticket, man. Yeah. They, I think it still is. I remember. I don't remember the last time they came to town, but I remember hearing about it within the past couple years. And I remember it selling out quickly or something like that. I, I could be remembering it wrong, but that was what I recall. Yeah. Well, he would go to the shows by himself and um, he would, I guess he played guitar, but he like sucked at guitar. But what he would do is he would like, th this is before the days of like good video content on the internet. So he would just like set up a shitty camcorder and like put it on his table. And he would like do, he did a cover of a Coldplay song on the guitar 
And I think the song was called like hurts like heaven, I think is what it was called. And like the guitar in that song is shitty and like easy as fuck to play. And like in the video, he was like playing this easy as hell guitar solo, which is literally just like strumming like the C chord or something like over and over and over again. And like while he was doing it, he was just like looking at the camera smirking. I'm like, what the hell's happening in this video? Wow. <laughs> it was really weird. That kid was a weird. That's a lot right there. Yeah. He was nice. Yeah. He was a nice kid, but he oh, also sure. weirded me out big time. So. I mean, when you're a big time Coldplay head, that's... <laughs> I hey man more power to you if that's your thing it's not quite my thing yeah. but i just thought it was funny like it's just not the song that you would expect somebody to be playing in that scenario if you're gonna be learning something on good like if you're gonna be learning so, a song on guitar make it like hot for teacher not cold play i swear to god i i i think italian joe in the slack when i posted about this in there said something like they're they're one of their albums is very good to learn music to or something like that to learn i wonder which one yeah i mean it might be the one with the speed of sound i don't know Maybe. but he had uh he had said that so i guess there's something to it i will say when i started playing piano Coldplay like helped me get better so he's kind of right do you play piano yeah i'm not i haven't played it in years but i used to be like i used to be low-key like Really good. I used to be able to shred on wow. the piano. So, all right. So, you know the song uh, Light My Fire by The Doors? Of course. I could play the whole thing. Okay. Okay. Like Robbie Krieger over. Wait, was Robbie Krieger the. Uh, he was the guitarist. Was it... The uh, You're thinking Ray, of Ray Manzarek. Ray, Man... Ray Manzarek. Ray Manzarek. There we go. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Ray Manzarek. I, I know three guys from The Doors. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the other guy, but who gives a shit? It's the drummer. It's the drummer. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. I love a good drummer, yeah. but not that one. Oh, too. same, same, same. He's, not, he's no John Bonham. No, let's just put he's, it that way. he's no Travis Barker, no John Bonham, no Neil Peart. <laughs> none of that. Don't, yeah, none of that. Even even Tom Sawyer. Okay, Tom Sawyer would have been a much better song to play walking around the city. <laughs> that makes sense, though. Like Tom, It's Tom Sawyer. It's a sweet song. Oh, it's got a great beat. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Of course. Oh, man. And then... I have to say also before we get into the hockey and there's a lot of hockey tonight, so we got to get all yeah. the nonsense out of the way up front. I was scrolling through Instagram uh, shortly before the show. And if you go onto the flight, Twitter and blue sky and Instagram, uh, you will see the thing I'm about to talk about, but I, I saw maybe the most targeted flight verbally ad of all time. And that would be, from official NFL shop. And I don't know how official this official NFL shop is, but it was like a flag that says Guy Fieri's flavor town. And it's a picture of an Eagle licking his beak. Cause he can't be licking his lips. Cause Eagles don't have lips. And he's, he's clutching a thing of, he's clutching a giant basket of cheesesteak and fries. And it says it's a Philly thing. And it's got an Eagles logo at the bottom. What the hell is this? <laughs> Jesus. That is uh, quite something to imagine. It is the most, like, I feel targeted in an insane way right now. Like, this is just, like, the weirdest cross-section of interest they could have put before me. And I almost feel obligated now to buy this by podcast law. I mean, Steve, now that you said it on, on air... I think you got to buy it. 
Oh, man, I might have to. We'll see. We'll see. Have you have you pulled this up on your end? Not. No, not yet. Go to the flip Twitter. I want to get your reaction to this because it is like it is insane looking like the art style is bonkers on this thing. All right. Let's see. I mean, <laughs> it is really something incredible. Oh, boy. You know what, Steve? I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of fuck with it a little bit. It's nuts. It's I mean, insane. I like nuts. It's so if you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. It is extremely Philadelphia. Um, it, it is, but what does Flavortown have to do with Nothing. It? I don't know why Guy Fieri is involved whatsoever. That's, that's, I think, what I understand the least. Like, I understand the eagle looking at the cheesesteak lustily like he is. Like, that, he's going to do some stuff to that cheesesteak, yeah. and I don't want to be around for yeah, it. Yeah, he's giving but it a weird look. What is... I mean, that is, you know, that is the triple D look, though. That is the, the look that Guy gives right before he just slobbers down whatever sandwich of the day is put before him. Yeah, it's it's weird. I was thinking that this was... So, it turns out this is a beach towel? Oh, Yeah, Guy Fanny's Flavortown 16 by 25 tailgate towel with a hook. I thought this was a flag, which honestly, if it was a, if it was a flag, I would, I'd wave this shit proudly. I, I, I mean, I'm going to turn it into a flag. Yeah, you have to look at that. I'll tell you what, if I get this and I use it as a towel, you'll know it's me at the beach. If you see the Guy Fieri's Flavor Town Eagles flag or Eagles towel. Yeah. They're calling it a tailgate towel, which I don't know what that is. Because everybody needs to towel off when they, or is it like? Do you think it's just like a like a rally towel? Like you know what I mean? I don't like they give away playoff games and such. I don't know. Uh, mm, well, maybe, but it's like I guess there's one way to. Fu- but that. what's the point of this? Yeah, I don't. What's get What's the it. point of this? I don't get it at all. Is it to towel off Bill's mafia from all the beer they spill on themselves when they're flying through flaming tables? Like I don't understand. Uh, I can't tell you. It's weird. This is yeah. I'm glad it's a weird product. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, really weird. Oh, baby. We're talking, you know, we're going to flavor town here, baby. And it's it's a weird one. And, I, I, you know, the cross section of fly purpley interest here. Disturbing a critique here. There are two Eagles logos very close to each other on this. Yeah. Design. Yeah. One of them is black. One of them is green. And they're both like the same size. And it's the same. It's the same exact logo, except one's green and one's black. And they're really close. They didn't think this out very well. Yeah. It, it no. bothers me. No, it's, it's bad, bad design aesthetic right there. So, you know, but I don't really understand who this product is for. So I can't really <laughs> criticize anything because it's all bizarre to me. It, none of it should exist. Was I mean, it looks it borderline looks like a heavy slime creation. No, it would have a lot of skulls involved I mean, and no color. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of flames and skulls with heavy slime, but it doesn't look like an official NFL product. It definitely looks like a bootleg. It looks like something that a local artist created. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it looks really weird. Like maybe if not heavy slime, then maybe like grim, grim, grim or something. I have no idea, but like. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. I, I th- But I think the official ruling is. This town needs more donkey sauce, guys. Oh, and Steve, boy, is there some donkey sauce coming. And it's coming via the Flyers. Oh, there we go. There we go. We got our transition into hockey talking. Yes. It, I I was prepared to call this a bad weekend for the Flyers, and it was a bad weekend, but then last night was quite good. I, man, I continue to not know 
what the hell to make of our beloved Philadelphia Flyers. But over the weekend, they had back-to-back games against division opponents, and uh, it was back-to-back losses against division opponents by one goal, both heartbreakers, and it just stunk. It stinks. Did not enjoy the Flyers weekend. But then last night, they played the Tampa Bay Lightning in a game I had chalked up to a loss, and... They definitively did not lose. They took it to the Lightning, and they ended up winning that game 6-2. to two, But there's a lot of nuance to get into it. So I, I, where do we even start? I guess just let's start with the Rangers yeah, game here. we'll do chronological which was order. Two to, you know, that's that tends to be the best way to go through these things, I suppose. But uh, a 2-1 loss to the New York Rangers in a an afternoon game. You were there in the building for this, and... It's it's a shame they lost this game because Samuel Erson, the son of ours, really, man, he had a strong game here. And it's a shame the team couldn't bring it home for him. Yeah, he's been really good. Like we I know that there were a couple instances over the last few weeks of people saying like, oh, is this is this it? Is this when Sam Erson like comes out as like a not like a not exactly the clear number one goalie moving forward and like. The way he's played recently, he's been really, really good again. So um, I feel like people should just kind of chill out with the whole Sam Harrison, like, like conspiracy theory. Like, I think he's good enough to be the number one. Is there one. a conspiracy theory? No, I mean, the, I, th- I shouldn't say conspiracy. It's, it's more just people are just, they have this, like, belief that he's not actually a number one goalie and that he doesn't have the potential oh, yeah. to be a number one goalie. And they're just like, Oh wait, he's going to, he's going to come back to earth here soon. And it's just like, well, to be fair, Ryan, this is Philadelphia, right? Where we have seen so many goaltenders look like a sure thing and then fall down to earth. You know, just thinking off the top of my head, Brian Boucher. Yeah. I remember having, I remember having debates with people in AOL NHL chat rooms about how good Brian Boucher was back in the year 2000. But yeah, like obviously Boucher ended up having a fine NHL career, but not quite the savior we wanted him to be. Roman Czechmonic, Antero Nidamaki, Robert Esch, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Obviously he'd go on to be very good elsewhere, but not so much here. Well, I thought he was fine here. They should have held on to him, but... Uh, I have gone on those rants many times in the past. Steve Mason. Steve Mason is the most underappreciated flyer in the last. Well, hold on. Hold, hold, hold on. I was going to say he was the most underappreciated flyer in the last like 20 years, but I'm, th- I think I would be leaving out Claude Giroux <laughs> in the, in that, in that statement. So uh, Claude Giroux, half the fan base loves him and would fight you to death for him. And the other half, or morons. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like Steve Mason was good. He was like a good goalie good. for the Flyers. Like you look at some of his numbers. He had some awesome years, like really, really, really good seasons with the Flyers. And like, they just didn't want to commit to him at all. And then as soon as he left the Flyers, no. he, his career was basic. Like he went to the Jets and then he was, it was over from there. I mean, he was a hell of a reclamation project for the Flyers. I, I remember rolling my eyes when they picked him up because I couldn't believe what what Paul Holmgren was doing because they, that was when they get, got rid of Brisgalov. And I was so pissed off about Bobrovsky that when they tried to take a flyer on Mason, who, you know, by all indications was completely wrecked at that point. Um, you know, he ended up being a very pleasant surprise, but the thing is like, even then Steve Mason was good, 
but not as great. We, we need him to be a lot better than he was. And don't get me wrong. He did everything he could, but we've been burnt. You know, we, we have thought we've had the goalie many, many times and never quite had the goalie. So, you know, forgive us for having some trepidation, some caution and some nerves going into this because, you know, I want Sam Erson to be fantastic, but I just never, I never, it's the hope that kills you with Flyers goaltending and the Flyers in general. So I, I just, I think we try not to get too high on these guys because we always worry that the floor is going to fall out. The practical joke uh, will be pulled on us. Yeah, which like, I, I mean, I get it. I understand that people are scarred. They're traumatized from all these years of being a Flyers fan. But like, don't, like, people are just so negative. Like, just stop being negative. Please, God, just go into it and just don't say anything until there's like actual evidence supporting your shitty theory. <laughs> Honestly, like Sam Harrison, right now there's no reason to be worried about Sam Harrison and people are like finding ways to be worried and just be like, Oh, just you wait. And it's like, what are you talking about? Ryan, you, you were just, I can't believe you're as positive as you are at this point because I should, I have no reason to watch. I have no reason to be. You have watched a decade of some of the worst hockey in flyers history, probably the worst decade in flyers history. And I, you know, it's amazing to me. I mean, the thing is we've all, I speaking for the old timers here, like we have been burnt time and time again. And it's, it hurts. It hurts to, to love and, think believe in somebody so we're just trying not to you know it's just our instinct our survival instinct telling us not to believe in somebody and i i i like what i've seen though and he was very good in that rangers game he was very good in the lightning game and he's you know right now he's legit he's really playing at a high level and as we've said the flyers will need him to continue at this level in if they want to make the playoffs so um good stuff from erson but the problem was the rangers was uh it was Shesterkin in net on on Saturday, right? Uh yeah, so it was Shesterkin. And Shesterkin is just really really freaking good. He's Even looking he like himself again. Yeah, like he's yeah. looking like He's really really good. Yeah, he's great. And the thing is like the Flyers saw how good he was. Like he just he had some incredible saves on them. And and also the Flyers missed some opportunities. I mean, I'm specifically thinking of Sean Couturier at the very end of the game. Katoria had a wide open net with like a second left and he just missed. And that sucked, man. That would have been the best because it was his first home game as captain of the flyers. Like if he netted that goal, that would have been so, it would have been like poetic. It would have been awesome. But like, yeah, he just couldn't get it through. And that's just kind of how that day was going a little bit. Like the flyers just weren't getting any bounces. And then like, the Rangers, of course, won the game on a bounce from Matt Rempe. So it's like, that's just kind of how it, that day was unfolding. Like, it felt like like the, the Flyers played well, and they honestly were the better team that day, I feel like. But they, I agree. the, I agree. the bounces just didn't go their way. No. Uh, Matt Rempe, man. Oh, my God. What a what a story for the Rangers so far. This kid comes up and he's has he fought in every game Dude, he's played. It sure feels that way. I, so I'm pretty sure he has double however many minutes of time on ice he has. I'm pretty sure he has double the amount of penalty minutes right now. Um, And he needs to chill out. Like, no, he's trying to fight everybody, man. Like, so he had 
And hockey fight enthusiasts were losing their damn mind because he had a knockdown drag out fight with Nick Delorier. D'Lo and Rempe went at best it. fight I've and seen in years. It was it was a damn good. It was awesome right there. And I, I'll tell you what, there was a hell of a height differential. I think uh, Rempe has like five inches. Like D'Lo's not a small guy. Delorier's I think six two, and yeah. Rempe is six seven. He's he huge. Is a huge mofo. Like, good lord. He, it, yeah, he's a big dude. And like, dude, credit to like, it's weird to say credit to Nick Delorier because like, he's one of the top dogs in the NHL in terms of fighters. Like, but credit to Nick Delorier for like hanging in there with someone who's like a f- like full half foot taller than him, and a lot and, younger. You know, and like, way younger. That- yeah. He's young and strong and like, damn, dude. But Delorier was using all of his crafty old band fighting skills with that. And really, you know, that's why it was a quality fight there, a quality scrap, because he was just pulling out all the tricks. And like, I'll tell you, you know, I don't even know if there was a clear winner in it because it was just like really that good of a fight. Delorier had the stamina like Rempe. You could tell he got winded toward the end. I saw Delorier planted one square in his face, too, at one point. He did, yeah. Delorier, I give Delorier the edge in that fight because... I, I agree, I agree. He, I, I feel like he land, they both landed a ton of great shots. And, like, he got the takedown. I feel like toward the end, he started to get he started to get the better Arempe a little bit toward the end there. Then he got the takedown to kind of submit cement it. Um, but, dude, I saw Nick Delorier up close in the locker room after the game. The welts on his face, Steve. Oof. Oh my God. It was. That doesn't happen often to that man. Like, that <laughs> no, man. like, that was crazy. Like, I seeing his face up close, I was like, good God, dude. Or, like, do you need a, like, a ice bag or something? Like, right, right. It was really, yeah. He, he got fucked up. He got fucked up pretty good. Because say what you will about Delorier, and, you know, his role in the NHL is not really that relevant anymore, but what he does, he does very well. You know, he is a glue guy, he's a locker room guy, and he is a brawler, and the guy can fight with the best of them, and whew, that was that was a hell of a fight right there. And, man, Rempe, man, between the fights and the goals, like, the hockey gods have been uh, looking kindly upon him so far, but yeah, as you said, he needs to chill, and these bounces aren't always going to go his way. I mean, this is uh, some great puck luck to start his career, but... I don't know if it's going to keep going that way. Well, that, but like also like he, he fought Matthew Olivier on the blue jackets the other night and got absolutely TKO'd like Matthew Olivier beat the shit out of him. And it, it, it's just, if he keeps trying to fight every, you know, every big time fighter in the NHL, like every single game, his career is not going to last long at all. Like, he needs to learn to pick and choose when he's going to be fighting. Because right now he's just trying to fight everybody. And I remember watching the... Uh, uh, I was watching the Rangers... Like, the highlight of the Rangers feed of when Rempe fought Olivier. And I, I always forget the Rangers play-by-play dude's name. Um, overrated as hell, if you ask me. Um, but he, as they were fighting, he was just like... Um, Oh, poor Rempe. He's getting challenged every night. Poor Rempe. Like, poor Rempe? Say no, you dumb ape. Like, what are you gonna like what are you thinking? Just like, you don't have to fight these people. Um and if like 
you already you just fought Nick Deloria. What you think people are going to run around and say that you're a wuss because you wouldn't fight right, someone else? Right. Like you just <laughs> beat you just like for the. I mean, honestly, you just kind of beat the shit out of Nick Deloria a little bit. Like you don't really have to. Um, I mean, they beat the shit out of each other, but like you don't have to prove anything right now. Like yeah, you don't have to say yes to everybody and. Um, yeah, it bothers me. I'm forgetting the name of the Rangers play-by-play guy, but like, I thought that was, such I'll be a honest, dumb... I never knew it to start with. So yeah, <laughs> I'll look I, it up real quick. I'll look I, I thought that was a dumb comment by him. It's just like, Oh, poor Rempe. It's just like, I have no sympathy for him. He does not have to fight. He's making the dumb decision to fight every single night. He does not have to do that. He could just say, no, not tonight. I like, I feel like I need to be there for my teammates and I feel like I want to make plays, which he's a fourth liner is probably not going to be making many plays, but like, you know, you also don't want to be put, getting CTE at 23 years old either. So Is it Sam Rosen? Uh, maybe it is Sam Rosen. I don't know. Sam Rosen, who I've never even been a fan of as a, as a hockey broadcast or as a, uh, a football broadcaster. Yeah, no, he's uh, not, uh, not great. So it's Sam Rosen is the primary. Kenny Albert does select games during Rosen's absences. And then uh, John... Giannone, I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but I don't care. Select games during Rosen's absences. So there you go. We know all about the New York Rangers broadcast team over on MSG Network. Oh, wow. How about that? Sam Rosen looks like the penguin. He does look like the penguin. And he sounds like it, too. Yeah, that's what he sounds like it, too. So (laughs) it's... uh... Yeah, I don't know. Get get him get him out of here. He's miserable. Get him out of here. Get him back into the umbrella business. I know he belongs. technically he's a legend, so I should like show some respect. I've but, never liked but Sam I Rosen. Like a lot of people consider Sam Rosen a respect or a uh, a legend in sports broadcasting. I'm, uh, and I yeah. guess I guess he falls into that category. But um, yeah, I don't really give a shit. So uh, I've ne- I've yeah. never liked him on the NFL broadcast. So that's it's not for me. Yeah, not for, no, me. Not, not for me either. For some people, for me. you know, he might be for them. But for me, I think he sucks. So, and that's my opinion. I don't have to be right. Yeah. Well, you often aren't, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> mostly wrong. Noted idiot, Ryan Quigley. No, you have good takes. You have good takes, my friend. But yeah, the, the Rangers beat the Flyers. The heartbreaker. It was a close game. Should have gone to OT, but what are you going to do? So then the Flyers had to travel to the other side of the state to endure some yellow bridges and coleslaw and Heinz and all that. I mean, Heinz is the best ketchup, but, but you know, whatever. It's all Heinz in that damn city. But uh, regardless, they had to play the Penguins and eat some French fry sandwiches. And this was a, a friggin' wild game that the Flyers probably would have crushed in if Sam Erson had started in it. And Cal Peterson... Maybe his last start for the Flyers ever was in this game because Cal Peterson, he wasn't helped by the defense. Uh, And granted, Sidney Crosby's always had the Flyers number and he did this day. What do you have? Five points in this game? He did. He had just a, you know, no problem. Five point night for Sidney Crosby. Oh my God. Disgusting. But the the Penguins beat the Flyers seven to six. The Flyers probably should have won this game. And the Flyers, it's not like they were, you know, amazingly outplaying the Penguins. They really weren't. They were pretty tired. But the Penguins just, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like the Flyers should have won this game. And they would have won. goals went in. Yeah, they would have won the game if they had even even halfway competent goaltending. 
and this is a game where they were pretty, I mean, they were shorthanded between having Cal Peterson and who just looked terrible throughout the game. And also the fact that Travis Konechny missed this game and the Rangers game, you know, having Travis Konechny in both these games would have been a huge difference maker. And they were without Jamie Drysdale for a good portion of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And he's week to week right now with an injury and what's So it's a shoulder injury. He got rocked pretty hard and yeah. he knew immediately, like he was, he was skating over to the bench and just like, yep, it's the shoulder. I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. And it was scary watching him skate over because like he was like, it, it was just dangling and you're like, Oh, oh God. Yeah. It looks really, yeah. really bad. And then him going down the tunnel, like his arms just dangling. Oh, it was not a good sight, especially knowing that, like with that added context of like, that's his bad shoulder that he hurt last uh-huh. year. Uh-huh. It was really freaky to watch. But like, honestly, I think the Flyers got like the best case scenario here because it turns out, reportedly at least, he's only out week to week. Which, oh, I saw speculation it could have been season ending before that. So right, yeah. Like I, I'm lot, glad it isn't. Yeah, I, I was honestly I was mentally preparing for that to be a season ender. And frankly, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't be mad if they hold him out the rest of the season anyway. No, no, because he's he is a, a key part of the Flyers' future right now. Yeah. and you have to think long term if you're Danny Breer, Keith Jones, and John Tortorella. Like you really have to think about the long term health of the club and a guy like Drysdale, you know, it is about, it's a marathon, not a sprint with a guy like Drysdale. Right. Yeah. And like, also I feel like when the flyers traded, like when they acquired him from, from the ducks, it felt like, and it sounded like he still wasn't back to hundred percent. Like some of his comments, it, it sounded like he was kind of like, yeah, you know, still going through it, still working my, my, my way back and everything from the injury. And, I just like the, where I stand now, just get that thing back to hundred percent, get the shoulder good to go and then just regroup for next season. That's what I'm thinking. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to be, he's in a, a really important player. So I, I say just like work on your physical health and then just get that back to, to where it needs to be. And then we'll, we'll move from there. We'll move from there. Exactly. But yeah, Drysdale being out really hurt them for the rest of the game. I mean, they, they had so many defensive issues, especially in the third period where, you know, Peterson was letting up hop, hot garbage left and right, but like the defense didn't help either. You know, it, it was yeah, just yeah. not, not a good game defensively for Tortorella's system, but some positive news. The Flyers did put up numbers even without Travis connecting and Drysdale in this game and a hell of a game for Scott Lawton. And Tyson Forrester, who Tyson Forrester is just having a hell of a week right Dude, now. Dude, yeah, he's killing it. So Lawton had three points in this game. He had two goals, one assist. Forrester had the same. Forrester now has five goals in five games. That's awesome. And he is pulling out some moves. Like, he was probably one of the Flyers' best players in all three of the games we're talking about here. He scored the only goal in the Rangers game. Scored two goals in that game, you know, like he's, he's just crushing it. And then he had another goal in the lightning game, which was unbelievable. That goal. Oh, the, the, the dangle he had on that goal was just sick. It was beautiful. It was, su- it was such an awesome goal. And like, it's, those are one of the, like, those are the goals that like, honestly, a goalie should make. And it's kind of crazy that that goal happened against like, you know, one of the best goalies in the world. Andre Vasilevsky, but like, that's, that, that's an amazing play 
from Tyson Forrester. And like, he's just got so much more confidence now. Um, he just seems to be really figuring out how to score goals in the NHL level now. And that's, that's amazing. Cause that's kind of what his calling card was from the very start when the Flyers drafted him was his goal scoring prowess. And, um, you know, now it seems like he's just, he's figuring it out. And, um, it's actually funny after what was it? I think it was actually before, um, the, uh, Flyers game against the Lightning on during practice. John Tortorella was really kind of, you know, given given him his flowers a little bit. He basically said, quote, he's been an impressive player for us all year long. Even though he has really fought hard to try to get some consistency scoring, he's done all the other things. We lose a couple games this weekend, but I look at some of the things he's done and I like and I look at some of the other things some of these other kids have done it kind of wakes you up a little bit. I know some good things are going on here too, especially with him. I don't want to get too far ahead, but I think he has a chance to be that player in an organization that's going to be a mainstay as far as not only scoring, but playing that 200 foot game because he's so smart. Like that's coming from John Tortorella. That's, that's some insanely high praise and you see it. I mean, he's one of the best play driving forwards on the team. Whenever Tyson Forrester is on the ice, there's a pretty solid chance the Flyers are going to be going, taking the puck the right direction and taking it into the other team's zone. Um, He's just so good. And it feels like the funny thing about it is like, that's not what people expected from him. Like people expected him to be a goal scorer and like not much else because his skating wasn't great, but like his skating sure seems to be a lot better now. And he's really figured out like how to play a good, solid 200 foot game. And it's, it's great. It's great to see. His hockey senses are just so good. Yeah. You can tell he's just following the game like so well, he's making smart decisions. He's really impressed me. I I think he's been one of the most surprising players of the season. I I thought he was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to be this good. And you know, my opinion of him in the Flyers' future really has shot up this season. Like, I always thought he was going to be, you know, a pretty valuable part of the Flyers' future. But right now, he looks like a key top six forward for this team moving forward. It's funny. I remember during, uh, over the summer during training camp, everyone was super high on Tyson Forrester because it was like, oh, did you see what he did with his short stint with the Flyers this past season? Like, oh, he's going to be great this year. And then... Training camp happened, and he wasn't exactly blowing anyone away. And people were starting to get a little down on him. And then Bobby Brink started impressing everyone, and people were on the Bobby Brink train. And it became like this Brink versus Forrester like thing, which it never really was to begin with. Um, right. If both but, of them work out, then we're all doing great. Exactly. Yeah. Which kind of is what happened. So um, yeah, Bobby yeah, Brink. Bobby Brink. Yeah, he's gonna say Bobby Brink. Back in the lineup and uh, scored immediately. What was it? A minute into the game? Like a minute or two into the game. He His score was so good that it shut the lights off, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Huge power outage in the Farg. And I, I know the scoreboard was out of commission for a good chunk of the game. And, you know, guys were comparing it to the stadium series game as far as the lighting goes. And wild stuff like they, you know, very nearly did, like shut the game down for a little bit, but uh, they decided to play on. And yeah, I mean, it was just crazy timing. Uh, and also all the power 
lightning references and everything just like all of it was just like weirdly aligned how it worked out but that brink goal was awesome you could tell he was pumped to be back and wanted to make his mark immediately yeah and then he brink made another play um later on in the game where he kind of he was like driving the net and then he like kind of went behind the net and did like a little no look backhand spinning feed to the like kind of like the low slot it was awesome like it wasn't a goal but like that's a very creative play that not many other Flyers players try, you know? So he's he's so creative, Bobby Brake. And, like, if he can just, like, consistently have that work ethic that John Tortorella is talking about, um, then he's going to be a real, real good player for the Flyers for a while. But, like, back, back, back to Forrester, though, like, so, like, you know, we you look at how things were going. Like, people were high on him, then they were low on him because he didn't have a great training camp. And then he's like slowly started like building his his good like getting back into the quote unquote good graces. Not that's not to say he was ever not in anyone's good graces, but like he started winning over the fans again. And now he's just on top of the world because he's just he's scoring now, and he just seems to have so much confidence. And it's just it's awesome to see him playing at this level. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it's just like. These kind of things give me hope that the Flyers can have a competent future and sooner rather than later. I mean, obviously, this entire season has given me hope that it can be sooner rather than later. But, you know, Forrester was the MVP of the weekend. You know, he almost single handedly, well, him and Scott Lawton won that game for the Flyers against the Penguins. He was just great again against the Lightning last night. And that game. I was really down on this team after the weekend. I was like, sell now, you know, it was not feeling good. And they really took it to the lightning. I mean, it was a close game until the third period, but the flyers blew it wide open in the third. So much so that the lightning pulled their goaltender with over eight minutes left in the game. Yeah. They didn't give a shit. They were, uh... it was crazy. And then they (laughs) they scored eventually, but it took, they had to move heaven and earth to get that goal. Yeah, it was weird. Like that, the end of that game was really weird. With just, so many weird things about that game, the lights were off. Like John Tortorella was wearing a, was in a sling for no reason. I guess he got hand surgery. But like John Tort, is he just shows up with a sling. The lights are going yeah. off. The goalie's pulled with nine minutes to go. It's just like weird stuff was happening the entire game, and it was just one of the probably the oddest game we'll see all year long. Weird, wild stuff over here. And they, they just tore Vasilevsky apart, which didn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, so many weird things. And uh, I feel like there's something... Like, there was so much weird stuff that I feel like I'm forgetting. Th- Cam Atkinson was scratched. Like, weird, which, like, he deserved, honestly. But, like, still, like, we, we really weird game. Fun, yeah, but weird. Fun, fun for sure. I mean, Sean Walker had a hell of a goal. The, he, oh. he did. He went top shelf on Vass, which was just awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I think that raised his price to the lightning right there a lot. Just seeing that goal. There were quite a few scouts in attendance for that game, Steve. There are a lot of guys. There are some hot commodities right now on the Philadelphia Flyers hockey squad here. And Sean Walker is at the top of the list as far as trade candidates go. This is no surprise to anybody who's paying any attention to this team. Sean Walker is the number one trade candidate on this team. And why shouldn't he be? He's a a very good right-handed defenseman. 
he can score goals like that sometimes. You know, it's not his forte, but he can do it. Brucey knows he's like number one. And Tampa Bay, I mean, they had uh, the Sergachev injury that we talked about, which that's a big deal. Uh, that's a team that they're in the thick of the wild card race and they're in a really tough division. And they, they probably need to make a move if they hope to make a cup run this year. So Sean Walker really could be a key part of that. And, uh, you know, Nick Sealer kind of, uh, we've seen a lot of talk about Nick Sealer being maybe a throw in with a Sean Walker deal to up the ante. So we'll see about that. But Sean Walker might be the top dog in the right-handed defenseman trade block right now because the Flames just traded Chris Tanev for a 2024 second, 2026 conditional third, Artem Grushnikov, 50% salary retained, and also gave a 2026 conditional fourth to New Jersey for retaining salary. So um, Chris Tanev to the Dallas Stars is what this all comes down to. Yeah, and that's a particularly interesting trade because Chris Tanev is like a pretty logical comparison for Sean Walker. Like um, two of the better defensemen available at the trade deadline. Tanev goes for, I mean, that's not a bad return, I would say. But uh, I see a lot of people on the on the timeline basically saying like wow the stars just fleeced the flames i'm like did they did they that like is chris tanov that good like like I, when i think of chris tanov, right, I, don't, right. I don't see him as someone who's like exactly moving the needle too. like he's good but like i don't think he's moving the needle too too far in any particular direction so um, it's yeah, not like they got in his prime christopher letang christopher letang doc um yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a pretty okay trade. I, I don't know why people are saying that the Flames got fleeced here. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it seems seems okay to me. But, like, that that return there, you know, a 2024 second and, like, a, a conditional third and stuff like that. Um, and a prospect. I could see that being something that the Flyers could get for Sean Walker. Um for sure. Now, I'll, I'll even go a little further. I think Sean Walker could be better than Chris Tanev. Um, I think Sean Walker is a, is a very, very good player. That I think he's worth a first. I really do. Um, I've seen him play a whole lot, obviously, this season. He's probably been one of the Flyers' steadiest defensemen. He might be the steadiest defenseman on the Flyers right now. And, um, yeah, it would, it would be... It, uh, it, it, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that he could fetch a first-round pick. I really don't think that's off the table. No, I don't think it's off the table at all, and uh, I would love to see. I, I don't really want to trade Sean Walker unless you get a first-round pick, and, and part of the advantage for the Flyers here over where the Flames are is that the Flyers are in the playoff race, and they do not have to trade Sean Walker. Like Danny Briere, they have every time he hints, every time he hints out there that you know, they might sign him or something like that. That's Danny Briere saying, I don't have to trade this guy. Yeah. Those, those little leaks coming out about the flyers are thinking of, of re re upping, uh, Sean Walker. Those are very calculated. Like those are, he might as well sign his text to Elliot Friedman DB. Yeah. Honestly, like those are very, very calculated, you know, insertions into the media. And, um, now, could it be possible that the Flyers legitimately are considering bringing back Sean Walker and re-signing him? Yeah, I think it is a possibility, but is it likely? I don't think so, because 
if they them the Flyers re-signing Sean Walker completely contradicts every single thing that they've been saying over the last really the last year since Danny Briere took over as GM and um, Keith Jones took over as as president of hockey ops. So the Flyers are rebuilding. They keep saying it over and over and over and over and over again that they're focused on the future and they're not like Keith Jones even said it. And I believe that he was actually chatting with uh, Bill Matz and Charlie O'Connor, um, oh, wow. friends at the show, um, during their PHLY uh, podcast. They had Keith Jones on, and he basically said, like, we, we're we not winning the cup this year. Like, he straight up said it. So if you're not winning the cup this year, why the hell would you bring Sean Walker back? And, like, listen, like, I, again, I like Sean Walker a lot. He's an awesome player, really good dude. But, like... It just doesn't make sense bringing him back onto a rebuilding team at the age of 29 years old. Like, it feels like it would be better to get assets for him and continue getting younger and looking to add high-end talent in the draft instead of keeping and holding on to a 29-year-old defenseman. I've made my, de- you can go back a couple episodes and hear my devil's advocate ar- argument on this, but yes, the logical thing is to trade him. So uh, the, the likelihood of him getting traded is significant, but yeah, this, this kind of catapults him to the top of the trade board for defensemen. And, you know, looking at, I wanted to talk a little bit tonight about best landing spots for the trade rumored guys. And, you know, Tampa Bay is really the the top dog with this. Tampa Bay keeps getting brought up for good reason. I mean, even before Sergachev went down, Tampa Bay makes a lot of logical sense. And look, they've got, you know, I was looking at a thing on the athletic earlier where they're talking, like kind of checking off which of the teams in the playoff hunt, have the goods to really go all the way, you know, as in having an elite center, having an elite defenseman, having an elite goalie and Tampa Bay, Braden points very good, but they have Kucherov, you know, Kucherov is an elite player in this league. He's one of the best scoring forwards in the league. And they've got Hedman, who's one of the best defensemen in the league. And Vasilevsky is one of the best goaltenders in the league. And that's a team that, you know, it doesn't really matter about positioning. It's a team that's won the cup before and really just needs to get in. So it's a team that, you know, is looking to bulk up and is a, a very serious trade partner for the Flyers. Uh, Tampa Bay keeps getting mentioned too. Or not Tampa Bay, it's just Tampa Bay. Toronto keeps getting mentioned as well. And Toronto needs all the defensive help they can get. You know, really, you could talk about Sealer and Walker for the same teams. Teams that need grit, teams that need smart defensemen, you know, I mean, I, I put one into gritty and one into sharp, <laughs> smart defenseman. I think you can guess which one, but you know, I think either of them would be good trade partners. And then Edmonton is always in the mix for that stuff too, because Edmonton, you know, we talk elite talent. They have two of the best, probably two of the top five forwards in the game on their team. And that's a team that can always use defensive help. So really they're in the race for it too. And if, you know, frankly, if you want to put Rista Linen into the conversation, Rista Linen could go to any of these teams as well, but he's hurt. And again, that seems like a more complex deal. That's probably going to need until the off season to work out. Well, Steve, you know, what team was reportedly in, in inquiring about both Sean Walker and Nick Sealer as, as a duo reportedly. Who's that? The Dallas Stars. Oh so, wow! So you I would guess that's not happening. you would think that that the acquisition of Chris Tanev kind of takes the Stars out of the running to get Sean Walker and Nick Sealer. Certainly, 
and possibly maybe maybe even just one of Sean Walker and Nick Sealer. Hey, they want the other one. You know, the phone lines are open, my friends. The phone lines are open. As they should be. As they should be, yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm sure they're listening on everybody right now. But, you know, there are certain guys that are more off limits than others. Certain guys with heftier price tags. I'm not sure there's anybody that's necessarily completely off limits. You know, the only guys really that I would think of, we, and we talked about this before, but like Mishkov is really one of the few guys I would think would be 100% off limits. But everybody else has a price. It's just a matter of if it's an unreasonable price for anybody to try and match throughout the league or not. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you look around the roster, like even Travis Konechny is, at this point, honestly, I would say he's kind of cl- close to untouchable. I don't know. At this point, I don't think they're moving Konechny. But I don't think they're like, moving Like Owen Tippett, he's pretty, I would say he's pretty much a lock. Konechny's pretty much a lock. Sanheim's pretty much a lock. Like, they have their core guys, I guess, locked in for right now. Couturier, I mean, Couturier. he just got to see. He's got a tough contract to move. And, you know, he's been here his whole career or probably end his career here. Morgan Frost, I'm interested in about. Morgan Frost is one of the most intriguing players and I don't think they move him. I don't, I I have the gut feeling they don't move him, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if they did. Now, what teams do you think might be a good fit for a player of Morgan Frost caliber? I mean, (sighs) I'm not sure a team looking for a little help in the offensive zone, obviously. Um, I mean, a, a team that's cap strapped because it's not like Frost is making too, too much money. Um, I don't know. Frost is interesting because I could see him going to a number of different teams because it's not like he's, he, he's the kind of player that just about any team could find useful. Whether you're a rebuilding team, you could find him re- very useful because he's still young and he's very skilled. Um, the the main reason why he's even being thought of as a potential trade candidate, and again, I want to reiterate, I don't think they're trading him. Um, just but his name of, ends up on the trade boards. He, he yeah. is a guy who he gets a few rumors, and also just his relationship with Tortorella that's is exactly. much written about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's the thing. And so, like, I'm wondering, like, the only reason the Flyers wouldn't keep him is because it's just, it's a weird dynamic between he and the coach and. And I don't know who else. I just feel like he he's in a real weird spot. But I feel like most teams would find him useful. We saw it last offseason with the guys they moved, you know. They moved the guys that Torts wasn't working with. Kevin right. Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, Ivan Provorov. Guys, Torts, they weren't Torts' guys, you know, and they got moved out for good reason. So looking over at, you know, any potential deals from Morgan Frost, like, I'm kind of I'm intrigued by a few teams in the race right now. Uh, Vegas is so sneaky with this stuff that I wouldn't be shocked if Vegas ended up trying to get Morgan Frost and seeing like what they could do with him because Vegas also always cash strapped and Vegas needs to get young talent and cycle through guys wherever they can because they are very creative with the salary cap. Morgan Frost would be incredibly would be an incredible Vegas pickup. Like that just makes so much sense for Vegas to go after Frost because like he's kind of exactly what they like. They like those like really skilled guys and um, 
Yeah. That, I mean, look that at that how Eichel's worked sense. out there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, Eichel's been good. And like, um, I don't know. I, I could just see that being a legitimate like option. I And again, I just want to reiterate. I don't think he's getting traded. But, oh, this is spitballing right here. Yeah, we're spitballing. But it's spitballing. It's, it's interesting. That's an interesting thought. Vegas. I could see it. Vegas is Vegas is very interesting to me. Uh I think LA is interesting because LA is in the thick of it right now, and that's a team that could always use offense. Um and you know, I, I there I think a lot of teams really could use a guy like Frost. Frankly, the Devils could use any of the guys that we're talking about, but I don't want to see the Flyers do shit with the Devils because fuck them. No. Yeah. No, they don't deserve anybody. Yeah. Boston, honestly, with their center depth issues, could use it. I mean, really what Boston could use is Sean Couturier. If they want to take the contract on, I don't think it's going to happen, but I was floating that even before the season. Like Boston should have tried to go for Couturier because yeah, you want to you get did. a Bergeron replacement. That's the guy. Yeah, you did. I remember you touched on that a little bit. Um, yeah, Couturier ain't going anywhere. So yeah, for think... for Frost, I really like teams in the West. You know, I think, I think like L.A., Vegas, Nashville, Vancouver, Dallas. Like, well, Dallas doesn't really need them. Winnipeg, like those are teams that could probably find a good use for Frost. But the East, I don't know if he quite fits in with a lot of the dynamics everywhere, but anywhere but here. Yeah, no, that would make sense. I think that would actually make a ton of sense. Yeah. Now, the other big name that's out there being floated in trade rumors right now is Scott Lawton. And Scott Lawton would be a very logical trade candidate for the Flyers, even if he did have a killer game against the Penguins the other day. You know, uh, Lawton is a great heart and soul guy, great locker room guy. He's awesome. And he's a, a great glue guy. You know, like any roster could use a Scott Lawton. But as a sell candidate for the Flyers, if you can get like a second and a third for Scott Lawton, I think you got to do it, frankly. If you get a first, you absolutely should do it. But, uh, you know, Lawton is a guy that I, the Rangers were talked about as a good fit for him. And he would be a great fit on the Rangers, but I in no way in hell want to see that happen. Right. Yeah. Like he, he's a career flyer, like to this point. And, um, just him going to any other team, it would just, it would feel weird, but it'd be really weird if he went to the Rangers or like the Penguin or, or some team like that. You know what I mean? Any in-division team would yeah. be, well, no, there's we talked about this with the rivalries, but like there are tiers of division teams where, you know, the Rangers, the Devils, the Penguins, those are your like most hated. And then you've got like the Islanders and the Capitals who are, are pretty hated, but not quite on the same level. And then you've got the Jackets and the Hurricanes, which is like, all right, cool, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, one thing I will say, like, I don't think we have to worry about Lawton going to the Penguins because I feel like the Flyers and Penguins have come to the agreement that they will just never talk to each other. I'm fine by me. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I And I think for Lawton, we still, again, just like a lot of the players here, I, I don't think we don't we don't know that he will even be traded, but he's out there. He's most certainly out there. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's that's an interesting uh, little kind of development to keep an eye on. The Rangers are a fit, but I think ultimately the teams that might be intrigued in him, Colorado is a team that's looking for a little bit more forward depth. 
You know, they've got some spectacular guys in the top six, but they really could use some bottom sixers to round it out and, and give them a solid uh, lineup throughout. So I think Colorado is an interesting match. I think Vegas, uh, especially with Mark Stone's injury, could be a really interesting uh, pairing there. Boston could really use a guy like Scott Lawton. I don't want to see it happen. You know, we don't want Boston to be happy. Absolutely not. Yeah. But Boston's a good fit. And then, like, I don't even think Calgary, especially with this move today, is really in the race. But they need guys like Lawton. So as a potential trade partner, but I think that one's the least likely. But Colorado, Vegas, and Boston, I think, are, are real potentials that could happen. I agree. Yeah. They they could be in there. Um, I, I do think the Rangers would be would be very much in the thick of that. But... They need a guy like him. They really do. Uh, And I think he's, he's a guy every team could use, you know, exactly. He really is like, he's a smart player. He he's had some off games this year for sure. Like he has not been his best self this season, but he's turned it on lately though. I mean, he's he's been so, so good. The last, what are his stats? The last few games? Let me, uh, let me actually check that out. He's he's been yeah, great. Yeah, you check that out. I mean, he was in that Penguins game. He had three points. He had a great goal, a couple of great goals in that game. And, you know, I, I love Scott Lawton, and I, I won't be sad if the Flyers don't trade him, but it'd be smart to trade him, uh, especially at this trade deadline. His career best six or uh, seven game point streak was actually just snapped against Tampa, which is funny because the Flyers scored a ton of goals against Tampa. Yeah. He had, let's see, one, two, four goals and one, two, three, four, five, six assists. So that's 10 points in seven games. That's quite good. Um, yeah, Scott Lawton's, he's really turned it on. And I think he, he, he knew he needed to get his game back on track um, because he knows what time it is. It's kind of do or die time if he wants to stay a flyer. So. Um, maybe, I don't know. He's turning it on at the right time. So the the Flyers, no matter what, they, they get a good result here. If they trade Scotland, they're probably going to be getting a full, a full price for him, which is, which could be as high as a first round pick based off of rumors that we heard last season. Um, but if they decide to keep, if they decide to keep Scotland, great news, they get to keep Scotland. That's good. He's good. He's a good player. So for the most part, the, He's got the A on his chest for a reason. Yeah. You know, he's a great part of the leadership group. I'm, I'm happy to have him moving forward, but I'm also happy to get a first round pick for him. If Briere walks away from this trade deadline with two first round picks, that is a resounding success. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That would you know, be incredible. That, that is, that's how you rebuild. I don't and think again, that's happening, but still. I don't think it's happening, but uh, frankly, if you walk away with at least one first round pick and a couple second rounders, I think you're looking really, really good. And listen, I want it to be rebuilt as much as anybody, but this is a great, they've taken some great strides this year and seeing what we've seen in Brink and Forrester and York and Drysdale and Urson, like I feel really, really good about the future of this club right now in a way that I did not feel at all last year. You know, I, I thought... It was just doom and gloom for the foreseeable future. But here we are. Things looking pretty, pretty, pretty good for your old Philadelphia Flyers. Any other guys that you'd like to touch on as potential, uh, you know, good trade destinations for anybody else on the team? I think we touched around most of the guys. Not so much destinations, but maybe candidates. Um, 
you do kind of got to wonder about Cam Atkinson a little bit, maybe. I would love to trade Cam Atkinson, and it's not because I don't like Cam Atkinson. I really like him. I think he's a... He's great. He seems, again, like a really good guy, and I like having really good guys on this team, but he's got a, a pretty hefty cap hit. I would prefer to see his minutes going to Bobby Brink. You know, like if it comes down to Cam Atkinson or Bobby Brink for a lineup spot, I'm taking Bobby Brink every time because I want Bobby Brink getting that NHL confidence and experience and everything. Right. So, and I, I feel like Atkinson is a guy who's getting a lot of time that might go to like a Brink or a Forrester otherwise. So like, yeah, like I would love to see Atkinson go. And that's another guy that, you know, a lot of teams could really use. I think he'd be very useful on a lot of teams like Boston, for instance, Look at what they've done with James Van Riemsdyk, right? Like, they've really gotten some good usage out of JVR this year, using him in a more limited role. Uh, and obviously, I think that's a team that wouldn't like to repeat last year's Flyers, but <laughs> they certainly could if they wanted to get another good guy like Atkinson. Uh, Carolina would actually be a good fit for him, I think. You know, um, Morgan Frost actually would be good in Carolina, too, but I, yeah. I don't want to give that in division. <laughs> Yeah, that honestly, that would be another perfect team for Morgan Frost. That yeah. would be fun. I, I actually hate that in advance because, like, I'm sure be Carolina so because they're so smart. Rod Brindamore's such a smart coach; he would find like the perfect usage for him. Yeah, he he would get like like next season he'd have like 64 points, something crazy. Yeah, and we, it would be like Patrick Sharp all over again. Justin Williams just making us cry out in agony. Should have kept. <laughs> But yeah, Atkinson, that's another team I could see a lot. Another guy that a lot of teams could be going after. I mean, Colorado would be a good fit for Atkinson, too. Colorado, yeah. I mean, it, realistically, I don't think the Flyers trade him. because One, because of the cap hit, and two, because he's sucked. He's been awful. Yeah, he has not been really good this year. So I mean, I, At this point, I, I think if anything is going to happen, probably he gets... I could see him getting bought out, even. Um yeah, but, I like, mean, I I don't even know if that's worth it because, like, the Flyers are rebuilding. Like, he's only under contract for one more year after this season. Like, why not just, just write it stick out. around? Yeah, just write it out. And, like, who's to say he doesn't come back next year totally refreshed? Because he's coming off a pretty significant injury. Oh, yeah. We are so lucky we've gotten the Couturier we have gotten this year coming off the injury. You know, if we had gotten Katuri and Atkinson back at them as their old selves coming off their injuries, that would have been amazing. Well, even Katuri is looking a little rough now too. But I right, think but people and people the I, fact like, that he's done anything. Yeah, like a lot of people are like concerned about Coots, and it's just like, like I'm not really all that concerned about concerned about Katuri just because of the fact that like he missed two years basically. Like he missed two years. He, there's no way he was going to be able to be good for a whole season. Like he was going to hit a wall at some point. I, and I think maybe he's hit that wall. I think yeah. it's as simple as that. I think he's okay. I think he's all right. Maybe he's battling through hit- something, but like, I think he's, I do think he's hit a wall after basically being out of hockey for two years. Sure. And I think this is a great time to rest him for a couple games towards you know, and what helps also is that, the Flyers do have a lot more time between games during this stretch of the season than they did the first half. That must have kicked his ass. You yeah. can tell it kicked a lot of their asses. They really needed the all-star break when they got it. And, you know, the the Pittsburgh game, the Rangers game as blips in the road here. Otherwise, like, they've been pretty good in the second half of the season so far. And 
you know, I wouldn't mind getting Couturier some rest here and there. The problem is their center death is it's shit. It's not good, but, uh, you know, is what it is on that front. But yeah, I, I would love to trade Atkinson. I think there's a few good partners, but he really has not looked himself. So he's probably not getting traded. No. Yeah. Not, a, not something to put money on at all, but no, just something to I, I want to put like him on your trade board. <laughs> yeah. Just, just something to think about because however, clearly could his, be a good off season candidate right there. Yeah. Like clearly he's kind of going through the motions right now. And he's a very, very highly respected player across the league. Cam Atkinson, interesting one right there, but what do we have another 10 days, not 10 days, but you know, a couple week and a half, two weeks till the all-star or till the uh, trade deadline at this Got point. Got about a week. About a week. Okay. There we go. So that's going to be a very, very interesting week for the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, Tanev is the first domino to fall. We'll see if a lot of these names even make it to next Friday because it's, you know, we saw this last year where a lot of the big names went off the board before the trade deadline even hit. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's the thing is like every year you never know when it's going to pop off. And like, what if this year, like what what if the flyers of the team that make it like that set off the trade deadline? Like, wouldn't that be fun? You know, like what if like randomly on like Sunday night, they're just like Sean Walker and Nick Sealer traded for two firsts. And then two firsts. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then the entire NHL is like, oh boy. And then they all start. Now you're really, you're dreaming if those guys get traded for two firsts. No, they will a, not be traded for two firsts, but like. As just, a first and a second at best. Yeah. But just throwing it out there. Like what if like watch the Flyers like pull off a crazy trade and then all everyone just starts frantically trying to make trades. Listen, I'm all for it, man. But I would also like if they save some until the actual trade deadline, because we love deadline day over here at broad street hockey, currently trying to figure out, we might be, we might be doing some stuff, you know, might be doing some live stuff that day. We'll see how it all shakes down, but we've had some conversations internally, but we'd like to do a couple live things that day. But uh, yeah, we're going to have plenty of coverage for you over at BSH going into the trade deadline. So stick with us. We got, Plenty of podcasts for you. We got Ryan Gilbert's Broad Street Hockey Podcast. We have the Fly Guys. Love those guys. So we got a lot of tangy temp for you coming yeah, coming your way. We got Fly Purbly. Oh, baby. How about that? And we got all that great stuff for our subscribers over on Broad Street Hockey. So a lot of great coverage. Tangy tent that you should go and subscribe to for just the cup. It's just, just the price of a fancy cup of coffee a month. That's all. That's all it is. That's all it is. Or if you want to have two fancy cups of coffee, you could come into the discord and chat with us during games and such, which is a, a lot of fun. I do enjoy popping in there and having discussions with everybody who is in there. Discord is a good time, but anyway, best place to reach us is on social media. You can find me at fly or at SD bomb on Twitter and X and blue sky and all of that Twitter and X are the same thing, but who gives a shit? But yeah, Hey, Blue Sky's got hashtags, Tal. Oh, wow. So oh, maybe it'll wow. start being more usable. Come on, hang out with us on a place that's not poisoned like X is. Uh, also, fly purpley on Instagram and TikTok. So check us out there. Quiggs, where can people find you on the socials? Find me on the socials at Ryan Quiggs with a Z. Thank you. I was going to have like a really sing-songy Oprah response, and I couldn't think of anything. I'm getting tired at this point. So I know, I'm it, sleepy too. It's time to go, my friends. It is time to go. Thank you so much for listening, though. We appreciate and love and cherish you all. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and 
Good hockey. And one more time, thanks to the good people over at Bet Online for sponsoring this show. Be sure to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.